Engel. Die Tickets. <lacht> Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts Lost and Found. This is round number one. We are looking at the year 1977. I'm here with my best friends from high school, Derek Brain, Chris Nashawadi, Bill Federko, and myself, Thomas Golovich. We are tackling some of our favorite Overlook tracks, deep cuts from uh, records we love, artists that we love that you may know, may not know, and hopefully we'll turn you on to some cool stuff. Welcome to the show. So this entire podcast began uh, thanks to the pandemic and uh, to all of us connecting with each other. It's not other. all bad. It's not all bad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we basically started this thing out uh, when we were doing uh, Friday night cocktails, kind of all commiserating with our individual experiences of the pandemic um, and how our families were doing and how we were doing and how work was going and kind of comparing uh, notes on how the experience was. And we started to share music, which is something we've been doing since we were in high school. We all graduated uh, Needham High School back in 1987 and have been kind of sharing music with each other ever since. You know, we'll catch each other maybe once a year in some cases, sometimes more frequently. Uh, Chris, you and I would see each other at Sundance. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, you live in, in the New York area, uh, in, in Connecticut now. Derek lives in Somerville. Billy lives in Needham, Massachusetts, where we grew up. I live in Los Angeles. So we would kind of all connect at different times, take ski trips together, things like that, and kind of always share music. And so this podcast is really getting a chance to kind of continue that sharing process, but tackling different years. And we felt that 1977 was a really exciting year to start out with. Let's talk a little bit about why 77. Is there anything that anybody wants to talk can I, about? Can I say one thing before we get into 77? Yeah, absolutely. Do it. Um, I, I think... Uh, Another another sort of um, uh, part of the 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 genesis of this project was that you know we all sort of grow, grew up listening to new wave music and punk music and and you know there's there are stations on like Sirius XM that that are devoted to that but they always play the same songs by this you know like if you like Depeche Mode they'll play like the same obvious hit by Depeche Mode over and over and over again but never like an obscure thing from side two of you know a broken frame so. You know, this is a way I think that we all wanted to remedy that in a way by digging a little deeper with artists that are familiar to a lot of people, but maybe you're sick of the hits and you wanted to um, maybe explore a little bit further. And so now we're sort of, there's a great, I think, a one-upsmanship among us that like we always try to Uh, either stump the other person or swat down the other person's <laughs> idea of what a deep cut is. And I think that's part of the fun of the process too. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. And also bring up bands that weren't necessarily in high rotation on, you know, either the stations of our youth or these, you know, stations playing new wave hits from, from the past, that bands that we really loved at the time or love now that are sort of, were being played during these times that, that we think are underappreciated, that we think 
could absolutely hold their own against some of these bigger bands. And we're 30 years plus from, you know, when a lot of this stuff got released and when we first got introduced to it. So I think part of the fun of this too is sort of what has held up over the course of time. Like what are those songs, what are those albums that had really, really great, really innovative parts that maybe influenced the years that followed, but were stuff that people didn't notice at the time. Um, right. Yeah. And, so and show by show, we'll go year by year, but... I think we've chosen a good year to start, which is 1977. Tom, maybe you want to explain why 1977 seems like a logical starting point for the kind of music that we're going to be talking about. Well, like 77 is a year where I just looked at how many records that came out that were huge that year. Like on the mainstream side, you know, there was Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, which was a really huge record. We will not be talking about that. No. Uh, <laughs> right. Pink Floyd's Animals. Uh, Stevie Wonder had songs in The Key of Life. Uh, the Eagles had Hotel California. Ah! There was like Electric Light Orchestra. Uh, Jackson Brown had a big record that year. Steely Dan had Asia that year. Uh, Bob Marley's Exodus. And then there were also these really innovative albums like David Bowie's Low. There were two records by David Bowie in 1977, both Low and Heroes. Um, there are also sort of really fascinating records like Kraftwerk's Trans Europe Express, which I think was tremendously influential to a lot of people um, and probably more well-known than their previous work was because I think it kind of moved outside of Germany. So, um, And then there were a lot of the bands that we really responded to, which were largely in kind of the, the punk you know, uh, realm. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of the key part. This is the year when punk exploded. You know, it had been building... And this is when the wave broke. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is when Sex Pistols came out. This is when the Ramones, you know, really made a statement. This is, there's so much going on in this year, you know, between early Elvis Costello, you know, yep. the first Talking, Talking Heads. Heads, the first yeah. Buzzcocks EP, you know. First Wire album. Wire, The Clash. You know, the jam, there's so much all at once in this one year. So that's the direction that the show's going to take, not the ELO direction. <laughs> <laughs> and if that bums you out, then maybe now's the turn, time to tune out. Chris Nashawati has given you an invite to leave. <laughs> yeah, that was quick. All right. So we've, yeah. we just lost the audience. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, I don't think we lost anyone with an ELO <laughs> caveat. Pretty much. I really don't. So let's go to the year. Billy, you've got some some facts. What was going on in 1977 oh my God. to well, help put it in context? Well, you well, you guys have all stolen my thunder about how exciting the year was musically and how many great debuts there were. But, um, I mean, in 77, we are, uh, I was anyways, eight years old. Maybe one, a couple of you were nine years old. So I think we're second, third graders. For me, the most exciting thing was Star Wars, which came out uh, May 25, uh, 77. My mom had to bribe a neighbor to take me because there was no way she was going to that stupid sci-fi movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, musically, uh, God Save the Queen came out two days later. I just found that out. Uh, and God Save the Queen was banned in England. And you couldn't listen to it on the radio. I believe John Peel played it once. So you couldn't hear it on the radio. The mainstream stores wouldn't sell it. So in many ways, uh, it was the birth of alternative, both music and media. So you had to go to, you know, the local record shop, try to get the record. You had to read, um, you know, fanzines and things like that to learn about music. So in many ways, 77 is like the birth of alternative music. As Derek said, it's the year that punk broke. Yeah. It's not the beginning per se. There were certainly punk albums before 77. But really, this is the year it all exploded. 
Not that we knew it. I certainly didn't. I was listening to Saturday Night Fever, and I, I was loving disco. And you were listening to Pretty Pretty Bacon <laughs> in second grade, Bill? <laughs> I was, you know, I'm listening to Pablo Cruz and Leo Sayer. Um <laughs> Casey Kasem is my 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 shaman in the music world. <laughs> He's your John Peel. <laughs> yeah. Little did I know. I mean, I know it now, but oh my God, the world was so exciting. Uh, so many great albums were coming out, as as uh, Derek and Nash and Tom were just saying. You know, Sex Pistols, Clash, Wire, Buzzcocks, The Damned, The Jam, Ramones. Uh, just incredibly exciting time. Talking Heads and television in America. Just so much going on, but you wouldn't know it from looking at the charts. You know, on the charts, it's Rod Stewart, Andy Gibb, Barbara Streisand, Casey and the Sunshine Band. I already mentioned Leo Sarah. I think he had two songs in the top 20. Uh, so two two totally different worlds, two parallel tracks. You know, there's the disco and soft rock track, and then there's this exciting world of, of punk that's exploding. And really, it, it democratized music because anybody who had a... Uh, had a hankering or a passion to make music, regardless of whether they had any chops at all, felt a license to go out and make music. And, you know, there's a lot of crap from this era, but there's so much great stuff that got uh, started. And for me, it's just so exciting and energetic, and uh, it's just the birth of just creativity. And yeah. I love this era. Derek, why don't you start us out? Do you have a sense of what track you want to open up the show with? So, you know, we brought up the Sex Pistols and, you know, they get so much play, but I think the damned don't get enough credit for the music they were making during this era. This song came out five weeks before Nevermind the Bollocks. And it's just such a great punk song. I love the damned. You know, they have probably the best uh, punk rock uh, name of any band. The drummer, uh, Rat Scabies. I mean, it doesn't get better than Rat Scabies for a, a punk rock name. Uh, it's great. Do you know his real name? Uh, I do not. What is... De uh, I'm just no, curious what the real name of Rat Scabies is. I think I knew it at some point. Um, but, you know, you have Captain Sensible. You got Dave Vaney in the uh, original Elizabethan vampire punk. And it just has so much energy produced by Nick Lowe. You know, I think Neat, Neat, Neat gets a little more attention from this uh, particular album, uh, Damn, Damn, Damned. But uh, this is the song New Rose by The Damned. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, round one. Is she really going out with him? I never fall, 
this could happen to me. Oh, this is strange. Oh, why should it be? I don't deserve somebody this great. One of the nice things about doing 1977 is that we can actually play the full songs because they're so damn short. <laughs> I always wonder whether um, whether it had any influence on Joe Jackson and Look Sharp because the first whispered line in the song is, is she, is she really going out with him? Yeah, mm, yeah. I noticed that tonight. Uh, whenever I hear that, I always go, huh, I wonder. I wonder what that's all about. I scratched my head on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. What a great rocker, man. Great start. Yeah. So uh, I'll take the next one. Um, you know, one of the bands that I always had sort of a soft spot for, which I think people kind of forget a little bit about or, or are less talked about, is the Stranglers. And where a lot of the bands in the late 70s were interested in politics, the Stranglers really weren't. Like, they were writing essentially like cock rock songs, but like in a really weird, fun, kind of indie punk kind of way. And uh, I just found them always really intriguing. And uh, they released two albums in 1977, their debut uh, which is the wonderfully titled Radis Norveticus or Vecicus. And then they released just a few months later a second album. Uh, both of them were produced by Martin Russian, and they were trying to capture the live shows. They had really been doing amazing live shows at this time period. So I'm going to play a track from the second record, which is called No More Heroes, um, and it is a song called Five Minutes. It is Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 1, 1977 is the year. Here are the Stranglers.
They're just such a fun, nutty band. <laughs> and I love a band that like has organ as one of the main instruments. Like The Doors did that and Deep Purple did that. But um, Dave Greenfield on uh, on organ and keys is just always really exciting. It's uh, Hugh Cornwell on vocals, uh, Jean-Jacques Brunel on guitar. They're just a very unique and interesting band. Jet Black on drums. He was sort of the leader of the band. I actually hadn't heard that song before. That was really good. Yeah, I like that. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rocker, man. It's a rocker. We're off to a great start. Yeah. Yes. Where do you want to take us, Billy? I want to, of course, go with the French band, The Stinky Toys. There you go. Uh, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Although our French overlords, I'm sure, would appreciate it. No, Uh, I'm going to go with what I think is the perfect song for this show because of the title of the song, but also just the the vibe of the song. It's 1977 by The Clash, and I feel like I should retire after this because I won't find a more appropriate song. Uh, This was the B-side to White Riot. Did not appear on any album. I think the the debut album by The Clash is perhaps the best punk rock, rock record of 77. So uh, I tried to find a deep cut from The Clash, and I, I'm going with this one. To me, it really uh, ushers in a new era. The chorus is no Elvis, Beatles, or the Rolling Stones. Just a phenomenal song. And you were talking about how sharp, quick, and fast these songs are. This one clocks in, I think, at like a minute 47. This is The Clash, 1977. done <laughs> that is well, actually it's 141 that is an incredibly fast and efficient bit of bunk rock done and dusted i believe as the english like to say <laughs> i feel like the clash like i don't know they all aged so well they never got awful they always stayed pretty cool. well i mean no if we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about this is england as an album yeah cut the crap was bad yeah no not necessarily the progress of their music i'm just saying like as like you okay. know they're okay. not you know, they're not like super disappointing baby boomers like Johnny Lydon is now, you know, um, you know. Uh, wow. Wow. We just offended all the Johnny Lydon fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> is anyone, is anyone still a Johnny Lydon fan? I don't, I don't know. I guess so. Right. Right. I mean, maybe if you just love his chaos, no matter 
where it comes from, you still appreciate him, but I find him insufferable. In a good way. In the way that uh, way. isn't fun anymore. He used to be insufferable in the in the service of in a good way. Uh, now he's just straight up insufferable. Did you listen to Nevermind the Bullocks in preparation for the show? No, I did. I did. I, I did, as our host once said uh, about the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, it's underrated. Oh, it's a great Here album. Here we go with that argument again. <laughs> it is it's a, a re- great album. It is, yes. It's a good album. It is really a good album. I'm surprised. I think it's because Glenn Matlock. I mean, yeah. God Save the Queen, Problems, those songs yep. kill. Pretty Vacant, Nash mentioned it earlier. It's a surprisingly strong record. I'd always thought like, yeah, it's the Sex Pistols. It's, it's fine. It, it started a revolution. Great. And I didn't really care that much about it as a musical document. But now, listening to it, it does still sound fresh. <laughs> yeah, but the run for the Sex Pistols. Hot take. It, hot take. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was their one and only record, you know. It I think was... it's underrated. I said it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's their best. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hands Chris, down. Chris, you can take us forward. They, they burn fast and hard. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of burning fast and hard, since we're... <laughs> Like zipping through round one, punk, punk time. Uh-huh. Uh In like you know this this cocaine fury. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with a song from my favorite album of this year, which is Wires Pink Flag. Um, you know that is an album that has 21 songs and clocks in at 35 svelte minutes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, which I think is great, yeah. and I think b- more bands should do that. I mean, like one of my other favorite bands, uh, Minutemen. Same deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like guided by voices. Oh, yeah. Just I love that whole ethos of just banging them out. I wish movies worked that way. Like, oh, I know. It's just it's I been know. bloat upon bloat upon bloat. Yeah, totally. Same with television. Um, now I, I had a little bit of trouble picking between, um, three girl rumba and, uh, the song I'm about to play. And based on the speed we're going tonight, maybe I'll get to play three girl rumba too later on. (laughs) But, uh, this song is my favorite song from my favorite album of the year. And it is X lion tamer. So take it away, Thomas. It's deep cuts.
you can't say enough about how incredible this record is and how I love Wire. Unbelievable Wire is. Like also this is a band that I don't know but you guys I feel like I got into them sometime in high school I want to say but like a little bit retrospectively and then essentially they started doing these wonderful electronic records which were really exciting and really they kind of hit us in the sweet spot at exactly the right time but they were really unique they were not soft the same way that like some of the Depeche Mode records were and they kind of had a different approach maybe to electronic music I had I have an admission to make I stayed away from Wire and Colin Newman and all that <sighs> because when you well when you guys <laughs> In high school, I didn't really like that that much when you guys were listening to it. And I didn't know for a while until I got to college that Pink Flag and Chairs Missing existed. Well, then you learned something at college that is- <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That'll last you forever. And I was like, hey, they never played that for me. They just yeah. played me like- They played ahead. That's why right. you go to school. <laughs> yeah. this, they played too far ahead. I would have been much more interested. So in 1987, an ideal copy came out, right? Right. Yeah, I think- And that was an introduction to Wire for us right. because we didn't know- Yeah. We didn't know Wire from 1977. Yeah. And, you know, no. after- what 154 chairs missing right they were on hiatus for yeah yeah for for a decade essentially yeah and so an ideal copy was new to us and then we had to go back and discover and they've done a whole lot more since then but uh yeah just a great band and this, this is just further proof that derek was totally out of it <laughs> in high school and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> too busy listening to the alarm late to the game i'll admit it speaking of good opportunity for you to uh hit us with your next pick oh nice segue tom thank you all right i'm gonna carry us uh back over the ocean to new york city the bowery Lower East Side. I just, I love this period of uh, really New York. Really setting the scene here. Yeah, it's kind of like just rain. The streets are steamy. <laughs> I can smell the beer and the pee. You can, yeah, smell the beer. It's the grossest bathroom you've ever been in. Um, the band television are, you know, just one of these seminal bands, part of just this incredible scene at the time in New York. Talking Heads and Blondie and, you know, this sort of latter era of the New York Dolls and Patti Smith and the Ramones. There's just so much going on with these bands that, in a lot of respects, you don't really put in the same room, but they were part of this cohesive scene. And sort of what I like about this period, like, you know, things that were considered punk, there was just such a wider array of music that could be included under that umbrella. So it was a big tent. It was a big tent. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, like Patti Smith and the Dictators, which is like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so different. But, um, you know, Tom Verlaine and Richard Lloyd, Richard Hell on bass, Billy Thick on drums. I mean, this album, Marquee Moon, was just such an important record for a lot of people. And it's a strange record. It's not as just immediately enjoyable as some of this other punk stuff that we've been playing. It takes a little more getting used to. But this particular song from the record is a little more, brings it right in right away and is uh, the first leadoff song on the record. It's uh, See No Evil by the band Television. Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, round one, 1977 is the year.
Can you imagine being in like CBGBs and just kind of like hearing bands like this? And also the story of Hilly is kind of fascinating because he's, you know, CBG stands for, was it, uh, what's CBGB stand for? Country Bluegrass, uh, Country Bluegrass, Blues Bluegrass. Wait, uh, Yeah, it's, it's like those four. <laughs> Something like that. Does anyone know the answer? <laughs> <laughs> it's Country Bluegrass Blues. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> but no, like uh, Richard Lloyd and Tom Verlaine were walking down the street and they pulled Hilly Crystal off a ladder, you know, as he was like doing some painting on the exterior, trying to convince him to let him the television have a gig. I think he said no. And they brought their, you know, more persuasive uh, manager <laughs> Back, Terry Ork back. Someone who was better with words. A few days later, yeah, and gave him, you know, and they, they he gave him the, you know, crappy Sunday night slot. And that was essentially the genesis of the CBGB scene and, you know, kind of punk rock in New York in a lot of ways. I went there, you know, quite a bit when I first moved to New York City in the uh, early to mid-90s. And, you know, just trying to look for a past that had long gone away. Yeah. Gone. I saw a bunch of crummy bands there, a couple good ones, but <laughs> but you know, it, there's something magical about the place's squalor. I mean, the bathroom it, it's something to see firsthand. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it sort of lives in myth and it 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 deserves every bit of that. It, it was just fucking disgusting. Um <laughs> How but, small. But the cool scene had had already moved on. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like making a pilgrimage to Lords or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's something you have to do, but <laughs> you know, by the time I got there it was just like uh, you know, it Yeah. It's a dis- it's a disappointing mecca. Yeah, a little bit. A little it's- bit. Sounds like the rat in Boston. <laughs> yeah. We were seeing better stuff at like Brownies yeah. and the Pyr- Pyramid Club and, right. you know, some of those dives mm-hmm. were kind of yeah. the dives of, of that era. Right, right. You know, it had moved a little more closer to the Tompkins Square Park and that area. Well, I'm going to change my pick just because of the inspiration and I'll play another band that was big at CBGB's, which is the band Suicide. All right. And Suicide's a very weird band. Like, I, I, it's it's very, it's kind of what's great about the whole CBGB scene and that whole scene in the 70s is like, Talking Heads makes no sense with a lot of other bands that are there. You know, Blondie is in there. Um, you have, you know, Patti Smith. You have Television. Uh, you know, Ramones. Again, all of these bands were kind of all playing the same scene. And so is Suicide, which is essentially a rockabilly band, except that they're doing sort of nihilist electro rockabilly, which is kind of a genre of its own. I don't think any band has ever sounded quite like them before, and uh, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Thank but- goodness, I say. Wait, rock rockabilly? What? I mean, well, listen to this song and you tell me what you think. This is the remix. I hear okay. you, Tommy. I hear you. All right, thank you. I'm not alone on this. This is the remix version on the record of Cherie, and I don't know. Hopefully, you guys will like it. It is Suicide, Deep Cuts.
This is apparently a song that they felt was too commercial to include on their record, so they well, <laughs> kept it off. It is for them. I mean, <laughs> I have to say, this is the least objectionable song I've ever heard by this band. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Which, as a rule, as a rule, are not for me. I don't know, but I'd love. But this is actually okay. I, I, yeah, they're sort of one of these bands I love thinking about and reading about more than I like listening to. Totally. I and mean, they're so fascinating that just. The theater of what they did, you know, how confrontational they were. They they were so ballsy. I mean, yeah. they got up in front of these punk crowds and played shit that the crowd hated. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they didn't care. And they were they were kind of pleased with that. I mean, they just there's so many stories about just crazy confrontations between suicide and the <laughs> and the crowds that they're playing for. Um, you know, I, I, Ellen Vega's vocals are so dramatic and so kind of almost yes. completely the opposite of almost every other yeah. band playing at that time. If you think about how dry David Byrne's delivery is versus Ellen's, you know, it's almost like Brian Ferry in its dramaticness. And then you've got Martin Rev's absolutely bizarre electronics, which are lo-fi and kind of just strange. And I, anyway, I just love them because they're so, as you put it, Derek, really beautifully, they're just such an unusual part of that scene. And I figured, hey, let's throw a suicide song into the mix. I'm, I'm glad you played him, Tom. I like him. I'll stand behind you. Thank you. And so will Bruce Springsteen. Uh-huh. Huge fan. He actually, I, didn't he give the eulogy for Alan Vega? Really? Uh, I think so. Uh, he used to play Dream Baby Dream. Uh, live in concert. There's a combination. Bruce. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bruce Bruce loved him. And uh, Colin Newman, we were talking about Wire, Colin Newman named uh, his, what is it, third solo album, Commercial Suicide, which was a play on the band name. So right. you're not alone, Tom. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I felt, I felt very, I felt very fearful in playing that. You're vulnerable. You were vulnerable there. I like the fact that you put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, you can save the day. What's your uh, next pick? You're up. Well, I'm not going with something as soft as suicide. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going with rock, rock. All right. Uh, spelled R-O-C-K-W-R-O-K from Ultravox with an exclamation mark. Oh. Um, from the album Ha Ha Ha. Again, lots of exclamation marks. I've said it before. This is not your father's Ultravox. This is not Midjure. This is John Fox. And uh, this is not Reap the Wild Wind or Dancing with Tears in My Eyes. No, (laughs) this is John Fox exhorting you to fuck like a dog and bite like a shark. It's Rock Rock by Ultravox. Deep cuts. Rock, 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 rock. 
Never in a million years would I have guessed that this would be Ultravox. What a find. That is definitely a song to pogo to. Totally. That's why we're here, to celebrate the deep cuts, the overlooked, <laughs> the underrated, the forgotten favorites. Man. Boy, they really did a 180, didn't they? Yes. Yes. I mean, when Midjour came along. I, I, I love late Ultravox. Too, I know you do. Is, I know you do. But this is a different vibe for sure. Oh, on that note, Chris, <laughs> <laughs> um, where would you like to go? Well, I'm going to go back to that CBGB's thing that you guys were talking about before. All right. With uh, the Talking Heads, whose first album came out this year, 1977. Yeah. You know, there's that famous quote by uh, Jean-Paul Sartre that says, hell is other people. (laughs) Um, This is the song that uh, I think best exemplifies that, that motto, hell is other people. This is called No Compassion and, uh, just listen to the lyrics. It's it's tr- it's terrific. I mean, the, the, all the song is great, you know, especially like the swirling guitars and everything. But it's um, the lyrics are terrific. It's deep cuts. Talking heads, no compassion.
there you have it there you go there you have it so good tight show boys very tight talking heads no compassion from talking Heads 77 their debut album man i love the talking Heads so much and i've been enjoying reading the chris france book and i've been reading david burns book you know about music and i feel like this time period in many ways encapsulates the talking heads in a way like nobody else they were so unusual a bunch of RISD kids um they grabbed you know a member of the modern lovers into their band jerry harrison yeah. and just became i think one of the most iconic bands of the decades that we're about to kind of continue on so so glad can i just tell you one quick talking head story i was reading please um, for a project i'm doing i've been reading a lot of uh, issues, old issues of Rolling Stone magazine from like the late 70s. And I was reading an article about Lou Reed earlier today. And there was a, a just an aside in the story about how Lou Reed met with David Byrne um, when they were just starting out. And I think he was trying to be a champion, tell him like how to be better on stage. And one of his biggest bits of advice to David Byrne was, don't wear short sleeve shirts. Your arms are too hairy. <laughs> <laughs> your, your arms are just way too hairy. Don't wear short sleeve shirts. It'll turn people off. Great advice. So th there you go. Well, Robin Williams, you know, similar situation. <laughs> <Right>. So, <laughs> yeah. but he probably didn't listen. To, did he listen to him? It almost killed his career, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> 
But did he listen to him? What was the the video where uh, he does the hand? I think he's wearing a I think he's wearing a full length shirt in that once in a lifetime shopping dance move. Yeah. I think it's a long sleeve shirt. I picture David Byrne in like the sort of uh, you know fifties businessman in the summer. I've never seen his arms. You know, short sleeve short sleeve dress shirt. No, I'm not picturing that correctly. I feel like I can see him. Well, if if he did, Lou called him up and gave him a a, a what for? I think he took the advice. Rocking that. <laughs> I'm talking to a like tongue lashing after he saw that. Well, let's turn to future listening, additional listening. So, recommended records that you guys think we should also, you know, explore from 1977. Derek, do you want to start it out? Do you have a suggestion for an album that really holds up and is worth exploring more? Yes. 77 was a big year for one of my favorite bands, The Jam. They put out two records in 77. They put out In the City and This is the Modern World, both, you know, great records, both have just you know, songs that I listen to to this day on them. I would recommend giving uh, This is the Modern World by The Jam a good old listen. Nice. Billy, put that in, you... in your ear holes. <laughs> your ear holes. Ear holes. Damn. It just got, <laughs> just got yeah. nasty. Sorry. It's a little, a little aggressive. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. Back it up. I'll listen to it, but I'm not jamming it in my ear. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, well, Derek mentioned bands with two albums in 77. Uh, yeah, the jam were one. The Ramones also had two records. Yeah. Ultravox had two records that year. David Bowie had two records that year. And uh, Iggy Pop had two records that year. Uh, just amazing. The, uh, the output and, and the quality three, of the output. Three, if you count Kill City, the, with, uh, Iggy Pop put out with, uh, the former Stooge, uh, there you go. James Williamson. Yeah. Iggy Pop, super busy. Cause, cause two records is not enough. And, and so I'll go with one of those prolific artists. I'll go with David Bowie's Low, uh, which is, he put up both Heroes and Low in, in 77. I think uh, Low is the better of the two albums, uh, although it doesn't have the, you know, the hit that Heroes was. But uh, Low, I think, is is just an amazing record. It was him and Iggy Pop took off for Berlin to try to shake their, their drug problems. Uh, I don't know how that worked out but uh, while in Berlin you know Bowie is credited with making you know his famous trilogy of low heroes and lodger and I I think low is the highlight there uh it's got a great f first side which you know he sings on and the second side is almost entirely instrumental I think if not entirely instrumental and it's just a great album so I, I recommend low by David Bowie very nice Chris um I think I'll probably go with um my aim is true by Mr Elvis Costello You're wrong I think that would be my. I think that would be my pick. I mean, there's so many great, great debut, great albums from that year. Um, I, I'm going to play a song on the after show tonight. That not to tease. Oh, it. you meant to do that? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a teaser to people who want to <laughs> sign up for for the after show, but um, which is bonus content. And uh, I, I'm going to play a, a song from another album that I really think is underrated from that year. But for me, Elvis uh, is really becomes one of the the most special artists of uh, you know from 1977 to like 1985. I think um, he just goes on a tremendous run, and uh, you know I, I just huge fan. Yeah, produced by Nick Lowe. It's his debut, right? Yes, believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yep, it was. Yep. Um, well, since Billy grabbed my Iggy Pop and David Bowie, I'm going to kind of skip those two and switch to my suggestion to check out The Congos, which is a Jamaican band. Nice. Uh, and their album, Heart of the Congos, which is produced by Lee Scratch Perry at Black Art Studios. Uh, it's a very unusual record. It's sort of like 
the vocalists, the Congos were almost like a doo-wop band. They had a very falsetto vocal from Cedric Mighton and then this really wonderful tenor from Riddell Johnson. They were a very unusual sounding band. And Lee Scratchberry is a very unusual producer. And it's almost a weird pop record. And I think it's a record that's worth listening to. It's an exploration of uh, Jamaican music in 1977. So the Congos Fisherman is the track that is the standout from it. But the heart of the Congos is the album and do recommend it. We do, as you just mentioned, we do have the after show. So if those of you guys want to chase us down on Patreon, you can uh, hear uh, another round. We got one more round of picks to play for each other. Bonus round. Yeah, we got a bonus round. And I think also we should talk a little bit about social media. Where can you find us, Billy? Well, you can find uh, find us on Twitter, on Deep Cuts Lost and Found. As Tom mentioned, you were also on Patreon, where you can find our bonus content videos if you really wanted to see us, which I can't understand why. I don't recommend it. <laughs> no, of course I do. Just, of course. Just turn the screen off and listen. Yeah. Chris will wear something revealing. <laughs> You're trying to get people to subscribe. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He will. He will cover up. No. Uh, but before we get to that, Tom, we need to vote. Yeah, we should do. Absolutely. Let's. Uh, so one of the things we do on the show is we vote. We can't vote for ourselves, but we vote for the favorite uh, selection of the night. So whatever song we thought uh, was is most deserving, whatever criteria you want to use, deepest cut or, uh, you know. Can we recap the what's been played? Sure. Absolutely. So from the top, we opened it up with The Damned and the track New Rose from Damn, Damn, Damn. That was Derek's introduction. The Stranglers, I followed up with uh, Five Minutes from No More Heroes. Uh, their second record, and their second record of 1977. Billy came in with The Clash, 1977, another debut record, uh, the B-side of White Riot. Chris came in with Wire, another debut album. X-Line Tamer is the track from Pink Flag. Derek came in with Television, See No Evil, from their album Marquee Moon. I came in with uh, Suicide, Cherie, the remix version from their uh, debut as well. Suicide is the name of the album as well. Billy played uh, Ultravox's Rock Rock from Ha 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 with exclamation points. Thank you. And uh, Chris closed it out with uh, Talking Heads and No Compassion from their album 77, uh, a really stunning debut from Talking Heads. So a lot of in, a lot of first records, actually, uh, today's show. Yes. So uh, everybody ready to vote? You ready to pop it into the chat? Ready. All right, one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have a Let's winner. See who's good at math here? How unsatisfying for the debut oh show. Oh, my goodness. Keeps happening. It really is. All right, so we have one pick. Uh, I picked. Hey, everybody wins. I picked Billy Federico's pick of Ultravox Rock Rock. Uh, let's see, X-Line Tamer, uh, Derek chose X-Line Tamer by Nash, uh, Fido's uh, Clash 77s from Chris, and uh, Billy chose Cherie. It's a draw. So we basically had a four-way tie. It's a draw. So those of you who want to catch uh, how we fight it out. I did get two votes. Oh, well then, there you go. Billy wins. Oh, there you go. Good point. <laughs> All right. And I got no votes, so does that mean I wander in the wilderness for the next year, or what happens? Yeah, okay. you're out next Yeah, you week. don't come back next week. Sorry. <laughs> We'll see you in 1979, Derek. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> As you try to work your way back onto the totally. show. <laughs> so those of you who would like to catch us, we have the after show on Patreon. On behalf of Derek Brain, Bill Federko, Chris Nashawadi, myself, Thomas Goldbitch, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This is Deep Cuts Lost and Found. Round one, 1977 is the year. We will be back with 1978. We'll catch you all soon. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.